Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. We are in Ephesians. This is our last Sunday going through this letter. Um, we have been going through the theme of get back, uh, which is going back to who we are. So as we've been going through Ephesians, we've been going through uh, the first three chapters, and the first three chapters kind of define who we are, and then the last three chapters, four, five, and six, say this is how we should live. And some of the things we've talked about were who we are, our identity, uh, we need to get back to who we really are, how God defines us, not how we define us. Um, notice I use that word us because we moved into that. We talked about uh, how when you look at the letter that Paul wrote to these churches near Ephesus, he said, look, stop thinking so individually. You are a, a y'all, not a you, y'all, plural. And so often we look at our faith as an individual thing. Um, but yet God defines us together. And we need to start thinking of ourselves together as the body rather than an individual hand off by itself. And then last week, uh, Michael did an amazing job of communicating the gap between what it means to um, be called and to actually live it out and to close that gap. And so in this letter, Paul has talked to the churches in Ephesus. And as he's getting closer, he says, okay, I got one last thing to tell you. And so he says this. Um, I just want to brag a little bit this morning. I, I brag pretty much every Sunday, but I want to brag. Do you notice that little cool white square thing around there? I did that. <laughs> and then, see the little verses now? I did that. So watch this. Steve, don't touch anything. Steve's not touching anything. Watch this. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 we're getting... We're getting high tech there. Oh, we're back. There we are. Yeah, so we will have some problems with it just because that's the way things work. But um, I am going to try to run the slides from here. And I might get a little fancy and make some marks on the slides. We'll see if we get to that point. We don't need to. But um, at the end of his letter, Paul says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you hear what I heard? <laughs> and you kind of want to just keep going, okay, let's get out of there, get out of there. It's kind of like when you watch those horror films and you see someone go where they shouldn't go and everybody knows they shouldn't go there so you just want to almost fast forward. It's kind of like when we get to scriptures like this, we're like, wait, did you say devil? Go to the next verse, go to the next verse. Dang it, it's in the next verse as well. This isn't the only place in the letter of Ephesians that it talks about Satan, that it talks about the spiritual realm, but we don't really want to think about that stuff. Not only do we not want to think about it, but when we think about it, we think about it incorrectly. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about what Paul is trying to get across here when he's saying, look, finally, which means, hey, in, in view of everything I've said, I want to remind you. So this isn't the first time he's talked about this. It's in the rest of Ephesians. It's in the rest of the word of God. 
And this morning, as we look at this, and, and eventually we'll go through a series on this, because it, it, it needs much more time than we're giving it, but we're giving give it the time that we can as Ephesians, as this letter is ending. This is something that we need to be not afraid of, but also that we shouldn't dismiss. This is nothing that we need to uh, um, run in fear, but it also we need to be careful because this is real. That's why Paul is saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why? Because the devil has schemes. He has, plan he has plans. He has a strategy. But it's probably not what you think. Uh, I wrestled with how to discuss this. Um, so I'm going to try my best to use God's words and not mine because that's what you should be listening for is God's words and not mine. Um, well, I'm going to give you a couple examples of, of my experience. I have a few of them, but I'm just going to share a couple of being able to see this spiritual battle, to see behind the curtain to some degree. Um, so I'll start off with this. I was, uh, I was going to college at Point Loma Nazarene. It used to be Point Loma Nazarene College, and they turned it into a university. So now it's Point Loma Nazarene University. Back when I was there, it was just a college. I don't really know the difference, but I know it's fancier now. They had to do a lot to get it. And we worked, um, one of my passions has always been for the poor. And it should be. As you follow Christ, he's going to start to put that in your heart. And he's also going to redefine for you what, who the poor are. But to me, at that time, it was the obvious, those that were living on the streets. And so they have this uh, ministry called OB Outreach. Um, I was going to wear my shirt. I'm actually from Ocean Beach. I lived there for a lot of years. We moved around a lot, but that's kind of what I consider home. And um, it's, uh, Ocean Beach is kind of considered the, uh, the skid row of, of beaches anywhere. Um, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, and it's home, which explains a lot. So when, when they had Ocean Beach, we would go and we would have, uh, we would have clothes, we would, we would uh, make food, we would have a worship service together, and we would just, more importantly, just be together. And so I served there, and uh, everybody started graduating, and so since I was a, a senior, I was one of the few left to run it, and so I got the job because I was left standing. And we uh, had this one night where everybody's eating, and this guy runs in. He's like, hey, man, we got a, we got a serious deal. He ran in. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Uh, well, there's a lady, and I'm pretty sure she's demon-possessed. I'm like, well, okay, look, we got other things going on here. So he, if she starts talking in the plural, because I'm, you know, me being the great expert I am in demon possession, I, I know in Scripture that it talks about, you know, talking in the plural. I said, well, then, then, then come back and, and let us know. Uh, so he disappears, and about five, six minutes later, he comes running in a little bit faster, and he says, she's talking in wheeze. And I'm like, okay. And, and so at that point, I realized I'm way, way out of my league on this. I don't know what to do. So I, I go back, and I'm praying. And I, uh, I walk back, and this late, they had taken her back into this courtyard, and there's like f you know, five or six people surrounding there. And all, everyone has huge eyes. And I, she starts to talk, and I'm like, oh, something's not right here. Because usually a lot of people are on drugs, and there's all kinds, of, but this is different. You can tell the difference. 
So I said, you know what, give me a second. They're like, oh, Boogie's going to go back and pray or do something special. So I went back inside, uh, pre-cell phone time. I grabbed the phone off the wall, and I call uh, one of the leaders, one of the, the old guys, one of the pastors of our university, and I'm like, Norm, you got to get down here right away. And I explained the situation. He's, he's like, okay, Boog, I'm on my way. That's how he talks. So I come back out. And um, as I walk in to this courtyard area, the ladies moving differently, you know, which is honestly normal with many of the drugs, the heroin or the marijuana or the crack or all the different substances that were being abused in this area, because many of the people on the street there were using. And so she turns around and looks at me, and she goes, oh, so you're the one. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and... I don't, know what the, I don't know what they told her, like, oh, wait for this guy. So I don't know what they said. I mean, I'm not, I knew and she knew I wasn't the chosen one. I was just the guy. So she starts walking towards me and I get, I get afraid because I can tell she's, there's something else here. And so I'm like, Lord, in my heart, just like, Lord, you've got you to help me with this. What am I supposed to do? I'm just talking really fast to the Lord. And I, I, I hear his voice so clearly. He says, you have nothing to be afraid of. Just watch. And then this was, these were the most comforting words. I am here. I got this. I said, oh, this is great. And so as soon as that reality came over me, because she had already come over and started putting her hands on me and being all sexual and weird. And as soon as that peace came over me, she just switched. <laughs> she just went, what? And she started like trying to reach for me and scratch me and all these other guys came in and held her. And so why? Why would the Lord show me this? Is this the spiritual battle he's talking about? No. When we think about spiritual battles, we think about spiritual warfare, we think about um, our struggle, not being against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. We imagine that. We imagine that situation. No. Satan is beautiful. If you were to see him, you would be in awe. It, it's like this morning, I was walking down the hall, my daughter was hiding behind, behind the uh, door, and I'm like, oh, here she goes. She's going to try to pop out and scare me. <laughs> Satan is not going to try to like pop out and go, here I am. I believe the Lord allowed us to see that, to open our eyes to show us, hey, this is real business. But that's not Satan's schemes. That's not how he moves. That's not how he works. He doesn't walk around with the horns and the fangs and make himself red and walk around. That's not how this really works. And we're going to get into that. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. To take your stand. You're going to hear that word stand come out over and over and over again. That word stand is a military term. I'm not a big military analogy guy. I, it's just not, if you want to talk sports, surfing, kids, puking, any other kind of thing that, that is in my world of reality, but guns, military, army, it's not a go-to for me. However, it's in God's word. When we make a decision to follow Christ, we are recruited into God's army. 
and we are called to stand against evil. And it's not going to look like that situation at the OB church. It's not going to look like that. It's, the devil's schemes are much different. They're much more subversive. They're much more invisible. They're much more sly. They're much more intelligent. I mean, Satan is brilliant and beautiful, but he's prowling around, as, as the word says, like a, like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And so we need to be aware, which is why Paul is telling this church and he's telling us, pay attention. You need to know the strategy of the enemy. You need to be prepared. You need to put on the full armor of God. So let's get to it. Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 6, 13. By the way, while you're trying to find that uh, passage, if you go to Ocean Beach, they've changed the name of the church. Uh, I was driving by. They must have just recently changed it because I try to go to San Diego as much as I can because it's, it's home. Um, I was uh, driving down, down the drag where it's at on Sunset Cliffs, and I look over, and it says OB, you know, that's Ocean Beach, OB, and then it has the word one and church. So they've renamed their church Obi-Wan Church. <laughs> that's not an accident. It's not like, oh, we're the first church, you know, like First Baptist, the First Presbyterian. No, they fully went all Star Wars and called themselves Obi-Wan Church. So if you're looking for the church where it all went down, there it is. So here we are. Um, he says, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Like we said, that word stand is going to keep coming over again. It means to stand against, to take your stand. So that you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now one of the things that happens often with this passage when it's taught is people will start trying to get into the significance of the belt. Like put on a belt and then you've got this breastplate and they get in all the logistics of it. Think Paul is writing this letter. He's in jail. As we've talked about, he's in jail. We're not exactly sure. We have some ideas of where, but he's in jail. And someone is there because he's dictating this, because this letter is going to be carried out. It's not like he emails it or, you know, sends it some other way. Someone came, dictates the letter, and then takes it back. And so as this letter is being dictated, Someone else is in there, and what was common at that time is that if you're going to have a visitor and you're in jail, then a Roman soldier is going to attach himself to you. So Paul's sitting there talking, hey, you know, maybe Timothy, whoever he's talking to, and then someone um, is attached to him. And you know how often you're trying to describe something or teach something, and you look around and you try to use your surroundings to describe or to teach. For example, when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He was walking, as we know, he was walking through an area where there were vineyards. So he's like, he looks around, he sees this vineyard, he goes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's teaching them using his surroundings. So Paul is, of course, sitting here in this situation. He's talking about, hey, tell the church in Ephesus they, that finally they need to be strong. They need to be aware. They need to... And he looks over and here's this Roman soldier. They need to put on the full armor of God. And then he starts going through it. 
But here's another thing that we need to know about um, Paul is that um, Paul, like any Jewish boy, he memorized the Bible. He memorized the Old Testament. I know we've said that before, but put that into perspective. Um, I just was recently with a bunch of people. I won't roll them under the bus, but I was talking to them about, um, I said, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to start memorizing Scripture. We're, um, I, I bought these little Bible cards, and, and yeah, you're all going to go through it too, by the way, um, uh, where every week you memorize two Scriptures, and they're like, oh, and, and there was this audible, oh, do we really? And it wasn't my kids. They were adults. And the reality is, is that we should have the word of God in our hearts and in our minds. And so Paul has the entire Old Testament memorized. Not, but, you know, that's what every Jewish boy did. Paul was a teacher of teachers, so he knew it inside and out. So although he's sitting here and he's, he's connected this Roman soldier, when he goes through this passage and he creates this passage, as he's discussing the helmet of salvation and the, the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, He's getting it from Isaiah. Check this out. Isaiah 11:5. This is how God is describing himself. Righteousness will be his belt. Whose belt? God's belt. And faithfulness will be the sash around his waist. Sash, well, it's, it's also a, a belt. I know today you'd think it's not a belt for a man, but it was back then. Um, and then again here in Isaiah 59, because Paul knows the word of God as he's trying to describe what it looks like and how we need to prepare ourselves. He says this, he says, put on the righteousness, he put on the righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Now I want you to think of Paul memorizing these scriptures. I want you to think of him knowing the word inside and out because that is gonna be very important for us as we talk about how are we going to deal with the devil's schemes. So let's go back to uh, where we were in Ephesians. The beauty is, is that because I'm slower now, because I'm doing the slides myself, it makes me quiet. And then when I'm quiet, if you've wandered off, you're like, oh, what's wrong? And then you look up and pay attention. It's a trick. It's a trick that speakers use, and I'm not afraid to use it and be straight in your face about it. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What's the belt of truth? God himself. Have God himself like, like a belt around you. Have his righteousness like a breastplate. Remember the Roman soldier, the breastplate that protects his, his chest. And with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, so here, now we're getting into some of Satan's strategies, right? Okay, so flaming arrows. Don't try to get into all the detail. Okay, so they're on fire and they're arrows. What does that mean? It's a little bit more obvious than that. We'll get to that. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. So it's your faith that is the shield. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. If you want to know what Satan's schemes are, know how he is defined by God. Satan is defined as a liar. That is his primary scheme. That is his primary strategy, 
It's not popping up behind a door. It's, it's not um, possessing people. That does happen. There is a battle against flesh and blood, but that's not our primary battle. That's definitely not our only battle. And in this journey, you need to understand that his primary tool is to tweak the word of God. You remember a few weeks back when we were in Ephesians 2, and I said, close your eyes and listen to this passage. For it is by grace I have been saved. I just changed the word of God, and I just changed it by one word. What it's supposed to say is, for, by, it, for it is by grace we have been saved. It just takes a little bit of tweaking, and that's what Satan will do. He will take God's word even and tweak it a little bit. He will take, that's why, if, that's why in Colossians it says in 2.8, do not be taken captive by empty philosophies. Do not be deceived. That's also why in the middle of Ephesians, in this letter, Paul's like, look, don't be tossed back and forth like children in the middle of the waves by listening to false teaching. We need to turn to God. We need to, we need to like, a, like a robe, like a jacket, like a onesie, we need to put on God. That's what we need to put on. That's the armor of God is God himself and his word. Think of, think of the, and I don't even need to pull the scriptures up because you know these. Everybody knows these, right? These passages, and they're ones where Satan is prominent and he's speaking and he's clearly defined. Adam and Eve. Now, this is Satan talking now. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree of life? Did he really? And then Eve's response was, he said not to eat from that or we'll die and not to touch it either. She starts adding. Not only did Satan just tweak, did he really say that? Putting that question, there, God, did that really happen? Or maybe did you hear him wrong? Maybe what he meant was, and then in her response, she didn't remember his words. She didn't remember God's words clearly. And he said not to touch. He never said that. She added that. Those are his schemes. Those are his primary methods. You don't need to go, oh my gosh, we're in spiritual warfare. Is he hidden in my air conditioning system? Is it, does someone need to come and bless my house because is Satan hiding in the corner over there? No, 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 he's much more sly than that. He's gonna present something as truth, but it's not think of Think of Jesus when he was led into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. In that temptation, hey, did, you know what? You should probably take these stones and you should turn them into bread because the word of God says, and he starts taking the word of God and tweaking it. Matthew chapter four, he starts turning it around. You know what? You should probably jump off of this building because you know that the word of God says that his angels will come in to protect you. And Jesus responds, hey, but the word of God says, do not, do not test the Lord your God. Hey, what, you know, if you do this, if you fall down and worship me, then I'll give you all of this. And what does Jesus respond? The word of God says you shall worship the Lord your God only. What was Jesus' armor? It was the word of God. It was the truth. That is our primary weapon. That is what we do. And so when we look here at the armor of God, we need to understand 
that if you want to simplify it, don't go, wait, do I have the helmet on? Do I have the belt? It's very simple. Put on Christ. Turn to him. That's why all scripture, it says things like, run into him like, like a sanctuary. Run into him to abide in him. Like we shared earlier with John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You should be hungering to know the word of God because it's your primary weapon in this battle that you are called to. We are called to this battle. We are in it. We might not be prepared. We not, might not be trained, but that's on us because he's given us everything we need. Paul is saying, look, you have everything you need. You have the helmet of salvation. You have the sword of the spirit. In fact, think of all of these descriptions that Paul is giving. The helmet of salvation. What is our salvation? Christ, for he is the savior. The word of God, John 1, 1, right? All through John 1, as we studied earlier, when we through the book of John. The word is God and was with God and was with God in the beginning. The logos, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the salvation. If we go back, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith, faith in what? Faith in Christ. Be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What's the gospel? The gospel, the good news. Who's the good news? Christ. Christ is our good news. He is the one that is peace, as it says in Isaiah. He is the, the peacemaker. He is the one, he is the prince of peace. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. What does it say in John 14? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's talking about Christ. That's who we put on. Um, and I'm killing it right now with these slides. I'm on fire. <laughs> if any of you are uh, software developers, I need some help. You need to improve some of the way they do these things. But um, in Romans uh, 13, 14, to simplify it, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. That. That is what it means to put on the armor of God, to put on Christ. Now, as we're talking about this, and I was describing it, Kim and I were going through the worship set, and we were talking about what things would look like, and um, how do we describe, she's like, well, what do you want people to walk away with? And this picture came to my mind so clearly of what I want you to walk away with. But I want us to look in Ephesians again, in chapter 2 for us to get an understanding of where we're headed here. So, so what do we do then? How do we clothe ourselves with Christ? What does that look like? This is what it looks like to not be clothed in Christ. As for you, you were dead. Past tense, talking to these, these, this, these, this church in Ephesians, all of these different churches. Did he know all of them individually? Did he know all of their stories? Did some of them maybe drink a little bit too much? Did some of them maybe have some bad relationships? Did some of them maybe sin? Of course. So how can he say this, that some of you were dead, but now you're not? Because of Christ. It's not by what we do. It's by what he's done. It is by grace we have been saved and not by works. It is a gift of God. And so he says, look, 
You were dead, but Christ has made you alive. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who's that talking about? Satan. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So anyone who's disobedient to Christ, who's walked away from Christ, they are under his rulership. But this is what I want you to hear. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. These people are still alive. Christ has already risen. But Paul is saying God raised us up with him. Not he will raise us up. We are raised now. Which means you have his authority. You have his power. You have nothing to be afraid of when it comes to the dark world. And I'm not talking about the fantasy or sci-fi or Lord of the Rings. I'm talking about the darkness that will present itself as light, that will present itself as truth. You are not, you are not unarmed. You are not helpless. You have been risen with Christ. You've been given what you need. You have been given him. You've been given the truth. And so now you are prepared to go to battle. You are prepared to stand firm because you've been given the authority because you've been risen with Christ. There, we, our battle is against... But there will be times where you will have the flesh and the blood and the spiritual world merge together. There will be a few times in your life where you'll probably see it all laid out. And it will probably scare you. But you need to remember you have nothing to be afraid of. Satan is a dog on a leash. He is a created being. Our God is the creator. You do not have to be afraid. And I'm going to share a particular example of that. I got permission from my wife. Um, she's back teaching the kids. And when she was a kid, she would be sharing this story otherwise. When she was a, a, a teenager, um, she, had, she uh, had prior to that wandered into a church. She spent the night at someone's house, ended up going to church, and never left. And when she was at that church, she was in the children's ministry and she was being taught the word of God. You know how we're always looking for people to help teach our kids, our toddlers, our elementary, our junior high, our high school? It is so critical that they know the truth because they've got to walk in this world. They've got to walk in this world where there's a battle happening and they need to be armed. And so my wife uh, had gone through that, that children's ministry. She'd gone through the junior high ministry, and she was in the high school group. The, the high school group. And in her house, it was very chaotic. Uh, at this time, there were five kids. Uh, they'd had two different dads. And one of the dads that was living there was, um, uh, he, he was abusing drugs. He was also schizophrenic. Um, he'd become disobedient. He had surrendered himself. And there were was a moment that she came home, and this was not an uncommon occurrence, but it had reached a, a pinnacle. She came home, and she could hear the fighting in the back between her mom and her stepdad, but it was sounding different this time. She could hear the choking, she could hear the oxygen leaving, and she knew things were bad. So she came, and she banged on the door, and she was, what's happening, what's happening? And, and she could tell what's happening. She, she knew she could not physically, by flesh and blood, disarm him. 
So she took off running to go next door to call the neighbors or to get the neighbor's phone to call the police. So as she's running, uh, the man opens the door and starts running after her. And as she's running, her common sense kicks in. Okay, I'm a runner. If we run 10 miles, I got him. But I'm only running next door. This is not going to work. And so she, in her running, she stops and she turns and squares her shoulders. My, well at this time, my 110 pound future wife to face a man much bigger than her. And she knows this truth. She learned this truth. And she looks him in the eye and says, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God and you can't touch me. As he's running, no joke, whoop, he just freezes. And I don't mean like he's stuck like a mime and he can't like move, I mean like he just freezes like this. How does that happen? Something came over him that is not him. He is still a child of God, but he's chosen to be disobedient. And like this woman that I met, you open yourselves up to things that you do not want to open yourselves up to. And he was intending to hurt her, and he could have accomplished that. But she knew that she had been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so she used that authority. And because of that, she was able to go next door and to call the police. When Kim asked me, what do you want people to walk away with? I want you to know that you are a child of God and that Satan cannot touch you unless you want him to. If you clothe yourself in Christ, you have nothing to be afraid of. And let's face it, we're filled with fear. What if I don't have enough money? What if this happens? What about my health? What? We have all of this fear circling. You have nothing to be afraid of. But what if I die? You will die. Everyone in this room, we're all going to die. You do not have to be afraid of that. I had to do two funerals this week. But you know what? I love doing funerals now because I get to share this truth that death is an event. It's not the end. Do you know that? Because if you know the word of God, you know that and you can rest in that and you don't have to be afraid of that. Money comes and goes. Health comes and goes. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But he loves us. He has embraced us. He loved us so much that he died for us. We need to know God's truth. And the more we know his truth, as it says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't it sound good to be set free? Man, I got, I wasn't even playing. I put all these extra slides at the end. I'm going, I don't have enough time. I won't get to them. Oh, I'm, I'm there. Um, I was going to share this earlier, and I said, it, when you're putting together these, these messages and the sermons, there's so much of the word of God, you end up cutting out 75% of it because there's just not enough time. And you're like, what are they going to be able to retain? So it's usually cutting, 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 cutting. And so I cut this. But now as I'm talking to you, I want you to hear this. I want you to be reminded of this truth. So they said to Jesus, hey, you know what? You're, the reason you can cast out demons is because you're demonic. And so Jesus looks at him. That's what happens right before here in verse 20. He goes, really? Seriously? That doesn't make any sense. You've heard that passage, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's, that's this passage. 
And so he says this, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. What's a strong man? It's just what you think. If you looked around here and we had to pick a strong man, I'm not going to pick anybody out, but there's a few people that are just big. And they got big arms and they got big shoulders and they got big strong butts and big strong legs. <laughs> They're big. And we knew if you had money, this is what they do. If you had money and you needed to hide it, you needed to save it, right? Because you couldn't spend it. You need to put it somewhere. There's no banks. You either hide it, and that's where you get that passage of the man that, um, that found a treasure hidden, right? Why? Because someone buried it because that's what you do. You don't have the bank. You hide it. And so someone buried it and he found it. Or you give it to the strong man. And the strong man holds it. And so, as God's word clearly says, here on earth, Satan is the strong man. And so, Jesus is saying, when a strong man, talking about Satan, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, that's Jesus. And you know who it is also? It's you. You are enrolled in his army when you follow him. You are given not only the authority, but you are given the calling to set things right, to set people free. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder, which is a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of Christ coming in and setting us free. And not just us, but he wants to set Steph's stepdad free. He wants to set me free. He wants to set my children free. He wanted to set that woman free. I got lots more to that story, but we don't have time for that. The important thing is that you leave knowing that you have been given this authority, that you have nothing to be afraid of, and you need to hold on to God's word. Be honest with yourself. How many of you actually get into God's word on a daily basis? How, how many of you memorize it? You need to know this. Otherwise, Satan is going to deceive and he's going to tweak. Oh, no, that, that person wasn't supposed to get sick. That's not the way life is supposed to be, right? Because if God really loved you, that would never happen. And we start getting upset and frustrated because life is not working the way we think it should because we're leaning on our own understanding. But as God's word says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. If you want to put it in the right, correct order, trust in the Lord. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him or turn to him, and he will direct your way. That's what we need to do. Do we believe this is the word of God? If we do, then like Paul is trying to tell this church in Ephesus, he's like, guys, be prepared. Or as he says in Ephesians 5.14, and actually, could you do that with me right now? Can you stand up? In Ephesians 5.14, and, and I'm going to relinquish power to Steve in the back. Can you put on a, a Ephesians 5.14? Should be in there. In Ephesians 5.14, it says, Arise, O sleeper, and Christ will shine upon you. That word arise is the same, same meaning of to stand. Like stand. It's time to stand. You were sleeping. Now wake up. Because Christ will shine on you. His light, his truth will shine on you. And then, of course, we will be reflection everywhere else. 
I'm gonna invite the worship team up. They're gonna guide and direct us in prayer. And then um, please join us in that prayer. Father God, I ask that you would draw us into your word, that you would um, put a fire in us, a fire in us to seek you, to put you on, for you to be our armor. I pray that no one here would leave afraid, that no one would leave thinking that they um, have any reason to be afraid of anything because you have set us free. You have overcome the strong man. You are our salvation. You are our truth. You are the good news. Father, we invite you to set us straight, to open our eyes, to help us to wake up. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if anyone else had this picture in your head when Bug was talking about the lady in OB, which I agree, OB is a terrible, terrible place. Um, I thought immediately to Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Did anyone else think of that? You know, Zool wears a gatekeeper, and a lot of times I think that that is where we think of these spiritual battles, and not that that is not going on in, in some other in some other ethereal realm or all around us, but I know that in my life that the true battle happens in the things like God doesn't really love you, He doesn't care about you, and did you 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 think God loves you? You just yelled at, you just yelled at your kids. You just had a fight with your wife. You just you know you just almost made a gesture with your finger at that person who was driving, cutting you off, or, you know, not that I would ever do that um, yesterday, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but it, those are the things that, those are the whispers, those are the lies, those, those are the misdirections, and they're so just, they're so easy to believe, and those are the things that, that Satan wants us to know, wants us to believe. He wants us to give up on what Christ has done for us, what we're going to, what we celebrate every day, what we celebrate together, that Christ was on the cross and he resurrected to make us sons and daughters of God, of, of God on high. And that's what you guys are. That's what we are. And it's so easy, it's so seductive to, to just start believing that we're not those things. So um, with that knowledge, um, I just want to pray uh, to close us. Father God, thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, that you love us so much that we don't have to believe the lives of Satan, that we were saved by your son, Lord, by you sending your son on the cross and you loved us so much that you brought him up out of the grave and banished death. Amen.